Thank you for joining us today. The Word of God provides everything we need throughout our earthly existence. There is absolutely nothing that has, is, or will occur in our lives that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sovereign God loves us so much that He created us in His own image and sacrificed His only begotten sinless Son to cover all of our sins. When we surrender our all to Him, we begin to experience the greatest love of all and become recipients of eternal life. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. The fourth way you can handle anger is this. Confess it. Say confess it. Acknowledge to God the anger within you and allow him to heal you. You got to acknowledge it to God. Also allow God to use others who will help in the process to give counsel and to assist with healing and reconciliation. You see, so acknowledge to God the anger within and allow him to heal you. Allow God to use others who will help in the process to give godly counsel and wisdom to assist you with healing and reconciliation. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse verse five says, better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by fools. Boy, I mean, the Bible is just potent with, with scriptures to help us to deal with anger. Better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. What does brooding, festering anger do to us? What does brooding, festering anger do to us? Cain should have dealt with his anger because had he done so, he would not have murdered his brother Abel. So what does brooding, festering anger do to us? Number one, it causes us to have a bad heart and spirit. Will you stay angry too long? All of a sudden, it it, it will cause your heart to become bad. Your spirit will become bad and everything come out of your mouth will be negative. Verse nine, Cain was so upset and so messed up. He told God he got sassy with God. Verse nine, am I my brother's keeper, God? You know, he has some ways to a brother. Am I my brother's keeper? Look how he's smarting off the God. Now, you know, you in bad shape. That's right. You ain't lying. I mean, I mean, you're going to talk like this to God. Oh, my God. If you can talk to God anyway, any kind of way, one can only imagine what you'll say to anybody else. It causes one to have a bad heart and a bad spirit. Number two, what does brooding, festering anger? What will it do to us? Number two, unresolved anger causes one to hate. When you say angry too long, you begin to to hate uh, the person that you're upset with. Cain so hated Abel until he premeditated the murder of his own brother. As in the case of Cain, unresolved anger will lead one to hatred, violence, and will even cause one to murder the object of his hatred. Because verse 8b says, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Why? Because he was angry. It festered. It was brooding. It was just, he was boiling over. He wasn't just angry. He was very angry. Matthew chapter five, verses 21 through 22a says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder 
and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But look at God, look what he says. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. He starts in your heart. And that's why we have to deal with the heart because if you don't deal with the heart, it will spill out in your actions that won't be very pretty. Uh, thirdly, what does brooding anger, what will it do? Cain had a misdirected anger. Instead of examining himself to confront the issue of his own anger, you know what that rascal did? He directed his anger toward God and his brother Abel. And, and there are a lot of people who come into God's house, come into the workplace, and you have a misdirected anger when it's not that person. I mean, it, it's, it's you needing to deal, to deal with your own heart so that you won't get carried away with yourself, your emotions and your actions. Genesis chapter four, verses five through six, a says, but he didn't, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And I pose the same question to you that God posed to Cain. Why are you so angry? Children are angry. I've never seen so many children needing behavior, behavior therapy, you know, and, and, and babies come in being angry. That's right. You don't give them that milk. They cry. They scream. I mean, they just angry. I mean, that's angry. And sometimes you have to teach them as they begin to grow up. Listen, you, you hush up. Settle yourself down. If you do that one more time, I'm going to help you cry. You know, <laughs> y'all know what y'all used to say and all these things. You, you have to teach them how to control that anger and that they're not going to get what they want because they start screaming and hollering and slamming doors. I'm going to give you something to cry about, boy. <laughs> number, uh, number four, uh, anger causes one to lie to others and even in the face of God. Cause you to lie to others and even in the face of God. Genesis chapter four, verse nine says, then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? He said, and look what Cain says. I do not know. Was he lying? He knew exactly he had just killed his brother. And yet he's saying, I don't know. What you saw? Man, it's a dangerous thing when you can get so bad off in your anger and your attitude that you get, you smart off to God, even to the extent that you lie in his face. Uh, you know, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they they died on the spot. They were judged on the spot because they lied to God as it relates to giving. They, they pretended they had given all when they had only given in part. And God killed them because of deception and hypocrisy in the infancy of the Lord's the Lord's church. And so he said, I, I don't know. He's lying and anger will make you lie. Anger will give you an accusatory spirit. That's right. Anger causes you to lie on somebody else because you're mad at them. Or, or, or you, 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 you'll say something that's not true about them. Put out a bad word on them. You want to see them fall. want to see them fail. And because you're mad at them, you get even. And, I, and you know what? That's not just folk in the world. That's also folk who are looking at me right now in this worship service. You throw rocks and hide your hand. 
That's right. You gossip about them. You whisper about them. You don't want to see them succeed. You want to see them fail. You want to get even. Why? Because really, the truth be told, I'm mad at him. I'm mad at her. You know what brooding anger will do? Anger is revealed in the face. Because verse five says, it's in the text, and his countenance fell. You know what that is? His face got ugly. <laughs> and boy, you got some ugly faces coming to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> and somebody need to say, what's wrong with your face? With that, let me just talk about the face a little bit. Y'all don't yeah, right. I, I need to just hang around there. Let me deal with y'all faces so you can straighten them up. And by the way, because you look mad at me, that don't bother me. Matter of fact, the, the longer you look ugly, the harder I preach. And if you want me to shorten my message, start smiling. <laughs> okay, <laughs> start smiling. I say everything, you know, then I feel you're getting the, getting the point. So <laughs> why do so many saints always look so sullen? Why do so many saints always look so sullen. Every time you look at them, their mouth poked out, their faces all ugly and eyes all scritched and air in their jaws. Call it rocks in the jaws and all that. Why are you coming to church that way? Why are you going home that way? Why are you going to the workplace that way? Number one, why, people, why people's face look so sullen is because they seek to draw attention to themselves. If I can walk into God's house... All of a sudden you're going you you want you want me to see you being out of shape. Why? So I can ask you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you got it. What's wrong with you? And then when I, when, and when I say what's wrong with you, all of a sudden, here you go. Woo, you go unload. So that was the object, that was the agenda. Put on a mad face so people can say what's wrong with you, and then that's your entrance to just dump all of that garbage. Sometimes instead of saying what's wrong with them, they already know their face is messed up. Just start praying for them, because you don't want it. You don't want to be a a garbage can, huh? They seek to draw attention to them, so that's what they really want. They want some attention. Number two, why do faces of saints look so sullen? They harbor resentment and ill feelings toward others. If you resent a person, you have ill feelings against a person. All of a sudden, your face will look that way. Now, you'll smile at everybody else and you'll laugh and ha ha and he he with everybody else. But that person that you got a beef with, all of a sudden, the next person. Hey, how you doing, Sister Joe? Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you just. You you, you get that's kind of schizophrenic or something like that. You know, you just going all over the place. Stop driving yourself crazy and be real. They harbor resentment and ill feelings toward others. Life circumstances uniquely affect people differently, yet God's love, grace, and mercy are limitless. The good news is God's word is uniquely sufficient. He knows what to do in every situation. He made us and He knows us better than we know ourselves. The Bible tells us to trust Him, lean on Him, and to acknowledge Him. Whether it's a success, a setback, or a failure, 
No matter what it is, God will order our steps when we depend on Him and Him alone to uniquely perform His good and perfect work within us. Listen as Pastor Rander continues. Why do so many saints always look so sullen? Uh, Number three, they are unhappy with themselves. They're unhappy with themselves. In other words, because of their perceived or actual failures, they have an attitude of discontentment and it can be reflected in their face. They're not happy with themselves. Missed opportunities, missed God moments, failures on a test, didn't get certified, didn't pass that test. This didn't happen. That A block goal and all of these things. And you're just not happy with yourself. And so because you're not happy with yourself, you make everybody around you as miserable as they can be. And they just run the other direction. And then you're mad because people won't speak to you. And, and I can understand why. Uh, num- num- uh, number four, uh, why do people keep eternal sullen faces? They're unhappy with their home environment and their marriage. Instead of confronting and resolving issues in their own family, they take comfort in blaming others for their anger. So it's not really the pastor. It's not really a leadership or a committee. Uh, not not that co-worker on the job is really your home environment. And so you picking fights with people, you're mad on the job, everybody else. That's called deferred anger. You 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 just you you you're not dealing with it at home. That's why you want to stay and work overtime because you don't want to go home. You know, so you'd rather stay at work and make more money because you don't want to go home and deal with the issue. You see? So 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 it's not the person, it's not the per people are here. You came here fussing and fighting and not speaking. And now you are venting on other folk when you need to go home and uh, work some issues out in your own marriage. Are y'all still there? It's getting quiet now. (laughs) Some of y'all had a fight on the way up here or something? (laughs) You know, hey. I mean, won't speak in the car, kids quiet, everybody's quiet, and get up. Hey, Sister Jones! And your husband, wife, or child, they know you being a hypocrite, that you didn't speak up. You're going to speak to her, wouldn't even talk to your family. Too mad to even pray for your family. And let me tell you something, when you get too mad to pray, you really too mad. You see, why do people keep an eternal, perpetual, sullen face? They seek joy and contentment in all the wrong places by depending on other people and material things to make them happy. Only Christ brings true fulfillment. Only Christ brings true satisfaction. Only Christ brings true contentment. You know, listen, I can't I can't bring my wife true satisfaction. I'm going to let her down. That has to come from Christ. Now, I can help in the process and uh, nurture her and encourage her and all these kind of things. But ultimately, her fulfillment must come from Christ. I can't be all things to her. You can't be all things to your wife and a wife can't be all things to the husband. You can't be all things to your children. You can have a whole lot of money and, and have no peace. That's why folk with in Hollywood, they've had seven divorces and about to divorce the one they have. You know, you can have all of that, three or four dogs and cats, televisions in every room. 
and, and I five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and all the gadgets, and all of a sudden you just as mean like a pit bull. That stuff, after, you know, after the euphoria of getting that stuff way off, then here come your old self back up again. You, you, even with the new gadget, all of a sudden you just as miserable as you can be because that new house. Listen, if your marriage is bad in that old house, getting a new house is not going to make your marriage better. Your marriage bad in that old car, you can get you a Mercedes Benz two, 2014 off the, off the rack and you still going to be grumbling and mad and that bread can't even drive it in peace. Oh, mess up. Let me drive it. Can't drive it in peace because you mad. Just because it's bigger and better, that's not going to help the internal aspect of you. Only Christ brings fulfillment. Only Christ brings total satisfaction. Love not the world nor the things in the world. Why? Because there's no true contentment and fulfillment in the things of this world system. So, so don't look to those things. Better to be in a shotgun house with some beans and cornbread and have peace and harmony than to be in a 14-bedroom house with seven baths and five garages and you're not talking to one another. Oh, God, help me preach this message. Know that God sees the frown on your face and the frown on your heart. It's amazing how many saints think they can truly worship God with a fallen countenance. When you come into the presence of God to worship with his people, your face should radiate an expression that you have been with Jesus and people are blessed by the smile on your face. You cannot worship God nor minister to others while frowning and disfiguring your face. What kind of message is on your face? What kind of message your face is sending in the choir when you're singing? In the ensemble when you're playing an instrument. In the congregation as you sit in the, in the audience. In rehe- choir rehearsals and meetings and even in the workplace. Allow the Holy Spirit to straighten up your face so you can truly worship God. You can't truly worship God with a sour, ugly, dismal, disfigured, messed up. I'm trying to think of everything I can. Face. And listen, what would be the expression on your face this morning if you knew this was your last day on earth? Hmm? What would be your, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you, I don't think you'd be acting a fool and holding stuff. If you knew without a doubt that midnight tonight you'd be gone, all of a sudden that frown is gone. That ugliness is gone. That attitude is gone. What, what, what would, and do you not, do you not know that life is too short to be in a, a perpetual state of anger. Life is too short, too short. It's, we're so close to death and the closer we get to heaven, the more we should desire to live in harmony and peace and have an attitude that's becoming of Christ. Look at 6a, in, in verse 6a, we see God's probing question in 6a. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? That's the big idea this morning. That's the subject. Why are you angry? And with that question, what are the consequences of prolonged anger? 
What are the consequences of prolonged anger? When you say angry too long, face perpetually mad. Number one, there will be loss of joy. Genesis 4, 5b says, and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Anger will take your joy, steal your joy. You can't smile. You can't say amen. You can't even open your Bible. Won't pray because you're mad. You know, what does prolonged anger do? Number two, as in the case of Cain, one will be open to be exploited by Satan. Satan wants you to stay mad. Well, God is saying, get over it as soon as you can. Satan wants you to stay mad. Why? Because the longer you stay in a perpetual state of anger, you create great opportunities to be exploited by Satan. It's in the text. You say, where is it? I'll show you. In Genesis chapter four, verse seven B, it says, and if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, the door of his life. And its desire is for you. That's right. If you don't get over your anger, sin is sin is at the door of your life, knocking on the door. And and its desire is to take you under. And if you don't get over your anger by the help of God, it will destroy you. Make you say things you would never say, do things you'll never do. Because you're angry. Sin is knocking at the door and it wants to destroy you. That's right there. Number three, what does prolonged anger do? One becomes emotion driven and not led by the Holy Spirit, which hinders one from receiving wisdom from God. Uh, Prolonged anger will do this. One becomes emotion driven and not led by the Holy Spirit, which hinders one from receiving wisdom from God. Be mindful that your emotion can blur your judgment. Your emotion, your emotions can blur your judgment. It it, it restricts your capacity to think straight, to be balanced, to be of sound mind, to be able to discern uh, in the Holy Ghost. But when when anger has taken over, no longer will you be led by the spirit, but you're most prone to be led uh, by your emotions, which Satan will exploit. Galatians chapter five, verse 16 says, I say then walk in the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. The Holy Spirit will keep your anger in check. That's right. The Holy Spirit will help you to know that you're mad and you need to make peace with God and the person or whatever needs to be done. Uh, Number four, you know what happens when you stay angry too long? There is a loss of potential blessings. There is a loss of potential blessing. God can't bless a person whose face is continually upset and mad and whose heart is just in bad shape, bad spirit. You, you, there's a loss of potential blessings in Deuteronomy chapter three, verses 25 through 27 is the account of Moses where he's forbidden to cross over into the promised land. The scripture says, I pray this is Moses speaking. Let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account (laughs) and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that, Moses, speak no more to me of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and 
and lift up your eyes. We went to that mount when we were in Israel a few months ago. We were on that very mount that Moses looked out and looked over. We were on that mount just a few months ago. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes toward the west, the north, the south, and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. Man, Moses did not cross over. The promise that God used a burning bush to get his attention, told him to take off his shoes for he was on holy ground. He told Moses to go down and tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. Same Moses that was used by God to point that staff toward the Red Sea. And, and we were at that sea and the waters split open and the children of Israel walked over on dry ground. We were on that on that sea just a few months ago. And God used Moses over and over again. He, he communed with God face to face. He, he, he received the law of God on Sinai, but here he does not cross over. He was permitted to look over, but he did not what? Cross over. And man, now he made the heavenly promised land, but he did not make what? The earthly promised land. And I said, and I started talking to myself and I've been sharing this with other members a time. If Moses didn't make it, what about me? If Moses messed up on God that bad, do you think God can withhold your potential blessings as well? As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy. Yet, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we have joy, hope, peace, strength, and God's blessed assurance as we face trials. Best yet, we look forward to hearing our Savior say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, and eternal life with our Lord and Savior. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.